Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Freemasons Podcast. I am your host, Right Worshipful Brother George Mundry, and with me tonight, uh, Brother Daniel Hernandez. And it's just me and you for right now. I believe uh, Brother Rocco is going to be coming later, but we shall see. And tonight, we're going to be getting into the Knights Templar. Uh, the reason why I'm bringing up the Knights Templar is because I believe that the Knights Templar blended into Freemasonry. I believe that the rituals that Freemasons practice today were originally Knight Templar rituals that have been changed for the purpose of Freemasonry. I'm going to get into the connection, and this is all eventually going to lead up to a maybe two, maybe three-part series on the Knights Templar, their connections with Freemasonry, why I think, well, tonight we're going to be talking about why I think they escaped, most of the Templars escaped the um, persecutions that the Catholic Church was doing, and they eventually blended into Freemasonry and their role in Freemasonry today. So, we're going to start it off with that. Any questions you got before we start this? No, no, I'll uh, let you lead the show here. All right. The Knights Templar. Uh, first, before I get into it, um, I am not a historian. Uh, the information that I find is solely because of my belief that Knights Templar joined or became part of Freemasonry. I believe they were two separate crafts that once the Knights Templar started getting persecuted, they blended into Freemasonry. Freemasonry at that time was in the medieval times was ancient stonemasons. They had stonemason guilds. Their practice was building things. Mm-hmm. So that'll bring up Oak Island later. But <laughs> uh, for right now, the Knights Templar. Uh, again, there are many sites and sources of when it was started, but most uh, historians would, will say that the Knights Templar was founded in 1119 by the first crusaders by Hugh de Payen was his name. He was from the Champagne region, and he, his family were actually the ones who started it. They consisted of nine knights. Their main purpose was to defend pilgrims in the Holy Land. After they approached King Baldwin of the Kingdom of Jerusalem, they requested that they be uh, headquarters on the in the Al Aska Mosque, which is on the Temple Mount. Okay. I'm just going to bring this over here because it's yeah. easier to see. Facts after their creation. And these are actually things that, that I found from, again, different sources. Uh, it is known that in, I think it was in the 1950s, there were excavations done underneath the Temple Mount. And during those excavations, they found various pieces of armament, Templar spurs, or just spork, spurs. Mm-hmm. Um, spurs you know, that you have in the back of your boots for horses. Yeah. Various pieces of armament, armor, chain mail, things like that, were found underneath the Temple Mount in these, in these tunnels that were dug. So they do know that there were underneath there. On top of that, again, I've cited the show before, buried uh, Mm -hmm. in Zedekiah's cave, which is a giant sandstone cave system underneath the Temple Mount. Uh, They found actually walls that were fortification walls. Uh, Zedekiah's cave, it's a cave, so every cave avenue splinters off in different directions. And there's actually walls that were placed to stop someone from either coming in or going out. Or going out. And it was kind of, they're, they're uh, walls that were similar that, that were used in uh, medieval castles. Uh, nine years after 
Uh, uh, excuse me, after, after the creation, there was literally zero contact from them. They basically went, you didn't hear a word from them. And that is when it's believed that they were digging underneath the Temple Mount for whatever they were looking for. <clears throat> Pope Honorus II organized the rules of the order, and they were ordered, their rules were recognized at the Council of Troyes, which is where St. Bernard of Clairvaux basically gave them their rules of the order, which were uh, piety, poverty, um, uh, piety being religion. Religion, yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, they had a strict, um, let, me, let me see here, it was piety, poverty, chastity was another one. They were not allowed to marry or... In, in certain readings, um, it actually says that they were not even allowed to kiss their own mothers. Really? Yes. Um, the order did not officially adopt its Templar cross until 1147. And I'm going to get into that later and what I believe that the Templars had mm -hmm. as a treasure. Mm -hmm. And we'll get into that later. But again, we're not talking about speculation here. We're simply talking about facts. History, facts, yeah. <clears throat> the order originally had a white habit, which was just basically a white tunic with Templar, well, excuse me, with uh, chainmail armor underneath it. Okay. They had just white. And the reason why they were in white was for, for two reasons. They were monks. They were to keep uh, innocence, which is what the white was for. Okay. Uh, the other reason is the last thing you want is a big giant red cross on your chest when you get shot at by arrows in okay. battle. You, you're a target. It's a yeah, basic I mean, giant bullseye. It is, yeah. And it was Pope Eugene the Third who decreed them uh, the ability to wear that cross on their on their habit. The Templar Grand Masters um, uh, were uh, Hugh de Payen and then Robert de Creon, and so on and so forth. So there was uh, many. Grandmasters. The Templar Order at its peak was given large areas of land donations by kings and everything. This is after after the nine years, mm -hmm. they went back, they up and left and went back to Europe. Um, okay. They hooked up with St. Bernard of Clairvaux and the Pope at the time, and they were given unprecedented, unprecedented power. They were able to, uh, they were given large lands. Large, vast areas of land as land donations from kings and barons and princes, dukes. They were given their yeah. own areas. Um, multiple commanderies were across Europe and Middle East. So they had many castles and commanderies. Uh, commandery was not a castle, but it was a section of land, whether it be for farming or whatever they had. They were fantastically rich. The way you became a Knight's Templar is first you had to be in from nobility. Um... You, in order to join the order, you had to give up everything you owned. So basically, your house, Dan, yes. is no longer your house. It belongs to Morningstar Lodge 47. My house doesn't belong to me. It belongs to Morningstar Lodge 47. Now, you're allowed to dwell there, but any monies that came in went to the order. So your paycheck would be combined to my paycheck, and, and everything went to the greater good. For the greater good. Um, they gave away large loans to kings and rulers, and they couldn't charge interest because that was considered an unreligious type well, thing. It was almost to do. The, the poverty yes. aspect of it. They yes. couldn't actually they were not take allowed. in anything. They were just giving loans, and you could pay it back. Uh -huh. That'd be nice to have. But they didn't charge interest, they charged a cute little euphemism called rent. Now, what's the difference? I mean, nothing. Yeah, it, so <laughs> it was their way around that interest. Yes, that yes. church rule okay. that you couldn't charge interest because it's considered uh, 
not right. But as Immoral. long as you had that loan out, you had to pay rent you had to pay on rent your loan. On your loan. Okay. Um, they were the first bankers in history. What they would basically do is, if you were again the Christian, or the Pilgrim Road to Jerusalem mm-hmm. was basically it was a joke. Um, outside of the city of Jerusalem, you had soldier Turks attacking you every time. It was said that. Um, if you stopped to bury your friend, the hole you dug would be your own. Really? Would, so it was just pretty much a free-for-all. If you could make it through, you were just walking straight through, right. and you'd get lucky enough not to get hit by right. some type of uh, bandit, bandit or lacquer. Right. So what they would do is, and they, they're smart, they had a coded letter. They, they'd give you a coded piece of paper. You'd deposit your money in a commandery in Paris. Mm-hmm. And the Templars would write out a coded message, mm-hmm. roll it up, and you stick it in your pocket. Now, only another Templar would know what that coded message means. And it was how much money you had, and how much they were going to give you, and all that stuff, all your belongings. And when you made it to the Holy Land, so yeah. now if you're on Pilgrim Pass, and you get attacked by bandits, you got, you got nothing. nothing. Yeah, nothing yeah. of value. Now, mind you, I'm sure the bandits still attacked, oh, killed I'm them. Sure. I'm sure. So now, where did that money go? Stayed with the Templars. Okay. But if you happen to make it, through. Through. You'd go to that commandery, you'd hand them the coded paper, and once you hand them that coded paper, they'd give you your money back, and you withdraw your money. Okay. So it's almost like the it's Visa a, check card yeah, is there. exactly. Um, it was around the time of the Templars is when the Grail romances started coming around. And the Grail romances were stories that the Templars had the Holy Grail. The Templars had the Ark of the Covenant. Okay. The Templars had all kinds of uh, the, the True Cross, or not the True Cross. Uh, what was the other thing? The, the spear. The spear, yes, the spear. the spear of destiny. Yeah. Did they have it? Potentially, they could have been. They could be stories based on a truth, or it could have been one hell of a recruiting process. Yeah. The only problem I have with that is, um, once these people join the Templars and they say, "Oh, you know, I want to see the Holy Grail. I want to see this. I want to play that," and you find out it's bullshit. Well, you, They're going to leave. Of course. Again, same thing with Freemasonry. Like, yeah, if, if we yeah, told yeah. you, yes, we do have this, this we do have yeah, that, yeah, yeah, which yeah. we don't. I want to throw that out there. <laughs> um, if I told you when you joined and said, hey, hey listen, we got the Holy Grail up in the lodge. Yeah. And then you come up here, this bullshit. Yeah. You know, there's no Holy Grail up here. You're just like, fuck this, I'm out of here. So, yeah. Uh, it, it's all rumor at this it's, point. Right. They were called, that's why they were called romances, because they were yes. fantastical stories. You know, every. Every story is based on a hint of truth. Yeah. Where, you so, see where there's smoke, there's usually right. fire. Yeah. Right. Uh, so they had, and on top of that, they held their own cipher of codes to communicate. One of the re- one of the things that they used was the alabaster cipher, which is where you basically and you've seen it before. Yes. Is, the, where you have like the alphabet word. going A B C D E F G. Granted, it could be in a different language, could be in Hebrew, could have been in anything. Um, and then below it, you do the the, alf- yeah. the alphabet backwards. Mm-hmm. So that an A would be a Z. A yes. B would be a Y. Or however you or however that co- codex, correct. however you formed it. At its height, and this is the, I have a map, and I think what I'm going to do is I will put this on the Freemasons podcast, so if anybody's interested in seeing this, um, it's a list of all the commanderies in Europe alone. In France, there was 360 commanderies. In Italy, 118. In... Uh, England, there was 45. Scotland, 9. Ireland, 11. So, and uh, Holy Roman Empire, 20. Portugal, 15. Spain. So there was a lot of commanders. They owned a lot of land. Now, how, 
how many is there like an average number of Knights Templars that would be in a commander? How many were in a normal commander? Because you're talking about numbers of actual uh, just buildings, if you will, or lands. No, I understand. Three hundred sixty. Not every commandery served a different purpose. Yeah. Not everybody thinks the Knights Templar. Or, or you, you see him on the horseback with the spear and the, the big the giant. Iconic, the iconic view. Not of all the picture, Templars yeah. were fighting knights. Mm -hmm. Some were farmers. Some were bankers. Uh, some commanderies uh, would. There were vineyards. Other commanderies were uh, sheepfolds. Other commanderies were farms. Mm -hmm. uh, so they, they there was a there was a vast. Um, um, I know what you're looking for. Basically, it was very diverse. It, it was, was a, yes. It was it was it wasn't just nobility that were regal or soldiers in that sense. Well, you were again. You were in the army. Them. I was in the Marine Corps. Yes. So yes. I mean, everybody had an MOS. And I mean, we have two different civilian jobs that we do completely opposite things. But right. it's yeah. But we're both still. Mixed. When you were in the military, I don't know what you were. I was I was infantry. What were you? I I actually started as an engineer and got retrained for infantry when I got. Sent over, yeah. But on top of that, you also have logistics. Yes. You also have motor transport. Well, you then have... you have the command, uh, the chain of command in the in right. each one. So, so even them, you know, yeah. they were the standing army of their day. Understand that that all these individual you know kingdoms, if you will, France and in in mm -hmm. England and all yeah. that thing, they didn't have standing armies. Most of their armies were the peasants that that. You know, they recruit when they get into recruit. war. Hey, yeah. we're going to war. You're, you're coming, coming with me. Yeah, you didn't yeah, have a choice. Train. Yeah, right. yeah. It's either that or we take your lands and kill your freaking family. You're yeah. coming to fight with me. Mm -hmm. But they weren't trained soldiers. They were peasants that came, that were under the order of the king to come fight. Granted, there were trained soldiers, it's, such as the knights. Uh, the, the modern day draft, right. if you will. Correct. But these guys were a standing army. They were a standing army ready to fight wherever the, wherever the call needed. Mm-hmm. So, so just I just want to give everybody an idea that there was a lot of commanderies across Europe. That's going to play later into what okay. I talk about mm -hmm. of their demise. Let's get into the next one here. The decline of the order. Here's where we go. Mm -hmm. <coughs> uh, at the Battle of Hattin, which was in 1187. Um, what's his name? Um, give me a second. Saladin. Saladin was the Muslim commander, great general. He beat um, the kingdom of Jerusalem along with the Templars at the Horns of Hattin. And that was basically the beginning of the end. The entire Crusader army of the kingdom of Jerusalem was pretty much crushed. Uh, he moved quickly from province to province, you know, area to area, mm -hmm. until he got to Jerusalem and took over Jerusalem. And the Temple Mount was lost. So the, the Knights Templar didn't have... Their, they didn't have their home base. Home, their yes. headquarters was gone. Yeah. With the fall of, with the fall of Jerusalem and the main city, which was the Templar city of Acre, fell in 1291. Uh, there, there was no reason for them anymore. They were a standing army with no purpose. The Crusades were over. They lost. Um, most of them after the. the after, you know, I mean, granted, you had uh, King Richard came back and everything, but eventually, you know, in the, in the long run, eventually the, um, well, I'm going to flip this mic real quick so we can add Rocco in because he just popped into the house. What's up, Hello. brother Rocco? <laughs> How you doing? We're talking about the Templars and we're on to their decline. So, um, 
where was I? Oh, so the main city of Acre fell in 1291. And after that, pretty much the Middle, um, the Middle East was lost, including the Holy City. At that time, most of the Templars moved back to Europe. And at this point, they're pretty much in, they're in nations such as France and Germany and England. Uh, with, they were a standing army with no purpose for the most part. So all their uh, commanderies were still, still there. in place. Still in place, still but there. But they just lost their uh, home base. They lost their home base. And their whole purpose for existence was to protect the homeland, home was, was to protect okay. uh, Jerusalem. With Jerusalem gone, they didn't have a purpose anymore. They were a standing army in Europe mm-hmm. that, that they didn't have to answer to kings. Hmm. So what ended up happening was, um, there's many stories about this particular guy, and his name was uh, Philip the Fair. He was the king of France at this point. Uh, Philip the Fair, there's a couple stories that, that are in readings that I've read that actually wanted to join the, uh, he wanted to join the Knights Templar. One of the reasons was is because when he was at a commandery in Paris, he apparently caught a glimpse of this Templar treasure that they had, and he wanted to join the Templars refused him because they basically said the only reason why he wanted to join is because he was after the treasure or the money. Again, understand, King Philip of France owed the Templars a large sum of money, uh, mostly because King Philip's father, King Philip's father, went on crusade, and he borrowed money from the Templars to go on crusade and fight. So he and also. You know, things, you know, raise an army, things he wanted it's to do in his own... expensive, yeah. Things he wanted to do in his own nation, but he owed a lot of money. When he died, he left that debt to his... Basically, his son inherited his debt. Yeah. So he owed a lot of money to the Templars. Um, he knew about the vast Templar treasure. Philip the Fair and Pope Innocent were childhood friends. They were childhood friends. And Pope Innocent, at this... Well... The Pope prior to him died under questionable circumstances. Pope Innocent was put into place basically by Philip. He kind of bamboozled it so that he became... Because what he threatened was, if you don't put Pope Innocent in play, uh, I'm going to break away France and I'm going to start my own church. And that scared the Catholic Church. They put Pope Innocent into place. And he was not allowed to be, he was the only Pope to not be able to be Pope in the Vatican. He had to be a Pope in France. So he was basically a Pope under house arrest being controlled by Philip the Fair. Okay. So basically at this point, the cards are stacked against the Templars. The month and the unlucky day of the Templars. And I call it the unlucky day of the Templars because, um, you know, I'll get into it in a minute. King Philip issued secret documents all over France a month before the arrests. Now, think about it in terms of this, and they know it was at least a month before. France is huge, right? Yeah. Okay. And think about um, when, uh, what's his name? Paul Revere made his ride from Lexington, from Boston to Lexington, Lexington Concord. Yeah. That was an all-night, all-day thing. Right, yeah. And that was a small area of land. Mm-hmm. Now, Everybody thinks, and again, you know, the History Channel portrays it, that it just happened. Everybody knew in France, we're going to go after the Templars. Yeah. 
but that's not what happened. He had to issue these documents to all of his his soldiers mm-hmm. to go after the Templars. Yes. Word doesn't spread that time on horseback very fast. No, you have to orchestrate a, a very detailed plan, right. especially to stay secret. So there is evidence that the Templars were tipped off to this, and I'll get into that in a moment. But uh, Philip sent letters to the top Templar commanders to meet him in Paris to discuss a new crusade. That was Jacques de Molay and all the bunch of the top Templar commanders. On the morning of Friday, October 13th, Friday at... <laughs> and it happens there you in go. October as well. Um, 1307, all across France, the commanderies were hit simultaneously. And Templars were arrested, rounded up. They were after the Templars... And they were supposed to search the commanderies looking for this Templar treasure. And they tortured Templars? Yeah. Yeah. That happened after the arrest. They were basically thrown in uh, Chinon Castle. And there's a couple other places that they ended up. And there's inscriptions all over the wall and everything. But uh, facts about Friday the 13th. Um, These arrests only occurred in France. It didn't happen all over Europe. So... Going back to, to what I was telling you about all these commanderies, uh-huh. there were Templars all over Europe. But France was France the only... France was the only place where it happened. But it was also the biggest occupied, you said, 360 commanderies in just France. Correct, in just France. But now, mind you, you have Temple Church in well, England. The total was probably about, what, almost the same 300 and some odd... Let's put it this way. I think the Templars, their the numbers land. ranged. I think it was... I think I've... Uh, the source that I read was they were probably in the upwards of uh, 30,000. And that's... In total. In across total, Europe. In total, roughly between 30,000 to 50,000. Which is a big number. Big number. And were the majority of them in France? I'm most, sure they were. Most likely. But they were also spread out... There was, I mean, Germany itself had 20 of them. I mean, yeah. you get into Portugal. Well, I'll get into Portugal later. Yeah, uh, I saw that. I think it said Spain had 50-some-odd. Right, so they were some, everywhere. Yeah, yeah. And the and perfect evidence of that is the city of Tomar in Portugal. In Portugal, mm-hmm. was that was a Templar city, and they eventually became something else. But we'll get into that later. They, um, they mention them, of course, Wikipedia. But you know, it, it may or may not be the the most uh, reliable source. But they have nearly one thousand commanderies and fortifications across Europe. Mm. I, I imagine the thirty thousand you're talking about is things they took over. Yeah, that they knew. Yeah, of. They, yes. they walked in. And, that they knew and, of. Yeah. Right. Um, so this is a couple other things. When the French soldiers arrived to seize the Templar fleet, now mind you, the Templars had a vast trading fleet of Venetian vessels, which were the fastest vessels of their time. Mm-hmm. They, they employed the, the Venetians, or, or Venice, to give, make them a navy, and they did. It was at the port of La Rochelle. So now while all these arrests are happening in, in, in France... The French soldiers showed up at the port of La Rochelle to come after the Templar treasure fleet, fleet as yeah. it was called. Um, and they showed up and the fleet was gone. Never to be seen again. The fleet, gone. I like, think. there's no other records of that fleet. No other records, gone. Documents that a crew was created and no. then they disappeared when this There's happened. speculation of what happened to it. And we'll, again, we're, we'll get I'm talking yes, facts yes, right yes, now. Yes, yes, absolutely. <laughs> but the fleet was gone. Boom. Never to be seen again. Left La Rochelle, took off. The Templars were masters at deception and going underground. And I'll give you an example. Again, in that show Buried that I watched on the History mm-hmm. Channel, they sh- they went into the underground of the city of Accra, 
which is still there. The, the Templar fortress has been knocked down and gone, but the underground tunnels are still there where they, they literally splinter all throughout the city. So they can move and, 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 Up and jive down, yeah. all over the place. If you know the map, obviously, it's easier. So they are very good at going underground. And that's pretty much what I have for facts on the Templars. Um, again, they are they were they were a standing army. They weren't all taken. There's actually another story that uh, that occurred. There's actually another story that occurred, um, and I, I think I watched this uh, in a documentary as well. It talks about after the arrest in France, mm-hmm. the Pope went to go try to get the Templars out of jail. Um, he, he arrived, he found, he actually put them on trial, found that there was nothing, there was no reason to hold them. They were, so all the, all the bullshit charges of heresy and, and you know, all the, all the yeah. homosexuality, yeah. defecating on the cross, spitting on the cross, all kinds of stuff, they were unfounded. And the Pope, <coughs> bless you, and the uh, the Pope actually said this that they're they're innocent, uh, and basically back in those times, what you would do is if you confessed your sins, mm-hmm. they would give you the blessing, and then they would say, "I you know the Pope can the Pope can absolve anybody of their sins." Jacques de Molay confessed, and they were exonerated, but King Philip wouldn't let them out of prison. So what ended up happening was, again, King Philip strong armed the Pope. Mm-hmm to declare that the Templars were to be disbanded, all their, all their areas were to be given back to everything. To the kingdom. To the kingdom or whatever. Yeah. And, that's, and then what Jacques de Molay basically did was he told the Pope, stick it up your ass in so many words. He goes, I didn't do shit wrong. After he, he went out and said, I did all these things. I'm guilty of all these things. The Pope, you know, Gave exonerated him. His, him. Yes. Yeah. And then once he found out he wasn't getting out of jail, he said, nah, I... I uh, no, Rissin, if you I know. never did yeah. anything. So you know yeah. what? Eat shit. And he eventually was burned at the stake. It was uh, Pope Clement V, thirteen eleven. That, that guy. Thank you. So perfect. I, you know, I'm so happy you're here, Rocco. You yeah. can fact check everything. <laughs> That's I exactly. Love it. I was looking at it. I was I was dragging ass the last podcast. I'm like, yeah, where's I Rocco? I don't like I don't like reading this too much. False charges of heresy and sodomy. Yeah, there's yeah. many of them. And I'll oh, get into the yes. rituals as well because I I, I actually. Sodomy does not have to do with the rituals. Let's just no, 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 no. no. <laughs> I'm talking about the Templar no, rituals. On a, on a serious note, though, yeah, it is. It's it is one of these interesting things because, of course, it's all word of mouth. So right. it's all word of mouth. There's really you no can documents. Make up whatever you want to say. You know, many of the Templars were also. Now you have to understand the torture that was going on when they admitted to doing these things. They were not allowed. The the Inquisitors are not allowed to draw blood. Okay. That was one of the rules. They couldn't hmm. draw blood. But they would tie you to a chair, or t- tie you to a table, and they would roast your toes over a fire. Wouldn't draw blood. They would roast your feet. Burn the they hell would, out of you. Until though. there was actually stories that they would actually slow roast people over a fire until basically the, the bones, the, the, the muscle cleaved and fell off of the, of the bone. Oh, um, yeah. There's other stories... Of the stretching rack, where they would like literally oh, yeah. tie you pull up. you apart. Mm-hmm. So this was not your simple torture of getting waterboarded. Yeah, so yeah. I mean, this torture back in these days was pretty freaking medieval brutal. torture. Yeah, yeah, it was pretty brutal. 
Um, Good deterrent. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just saying. <laughs> but the only, but on the flip side of that, though, if you want to get into torture and everything, people will say anything yeah. under that. Oh, if you torture that, somebody I, enough, you know, they're going to yeah. basically tell you whatever the hell you want them yeah, to say. To stop, to stop the to torture. Stop it, yes. you know, they'll tell you whatever you want to hear. And even if it's death is the end of it, they'd and again, die. You know, if they tell you, oh, if you admit, you know, that's a, a true confession is under torture, I'll tell you anything you want to know if you're roasting my feet, you know, mm-hmm. or, or, you know. Yeah, yeah. I'll tell you anything you want to know. Yeah. Uh, whether or not it's true or not, if they ask me, oh, did you... Did you defecate on the cross? You bet your ass I did. Yeah, like, I'm going to say stop. anything yeah. to stop the pain that I'm going in. You're going to stop roasting my feet? I defecated on whatever you wanted me to <laughs> defecate on. Yes. Right. <coughs> so, basically what happened is... Well, the problem is, is a lot of those guys, you confess and they die, right? And then, who makes up the story? Yes. And that's, the person who killed you. And <laughs> that's... We'll get into the whole Baphomet thing. Mm-hmm. And the what... The, you know... And again, the church still did it to the Freemasons. You know, the whole... You know, yeah, how do you how do you it's, stop a movement? How do you stop an order? You you defame them. You make them it. look like shit. You you deter people from joining them by making them seem evil and and demonic and subhuman. Well, it's, it, and that's exact that's exactly you go on YouTube and that's all it is of Freemasonry. Of course, to make a comparison. Yeah. Absolutely. It's the same thing as all the, where you got into it in what, the first episode, the conspiracy theorists and the, the falsehoods of all the, right. the lies that get made up because of the radical, you know, thoughts and exactly that. How do you destroy a movement? You create up a bunch of lies about it. Right. So, what happened after that was basically the Pope issued a decree all across Europe that the Templars are to be arrested across all nations. And here's a couple fun stories. First off, in England, they didn't do it. They said, no, nah, we ain't doing this. And Just they actually, no, altogether. No. It, at first it was no, and then eventually under pressure, the king of England capitulated and started arresting Templars. But at this point, the, you know, the writing was on the wall. The Templars had time to get away. So most of them, I'm sure, got away. <clears throat> Here's another funny story, actually, in the Holy Roman Empire. I think it was in Bavaria, actually, ironically. We just had a conversation about Bavaria yes. a couple podcasts ago. But the Templars were rounded up and arrested. Mm-hmm. Well, they weren't arrested. They were asked to appear in defense of themselves at a trial for that. They showed up all right in full battle array. Kettlebell helmets, chainmail, swords, ready to go. And how do you think that they were found? Not guilty. Not guilty. Of course, yeah. <laughs> so that's a fun little story about him. Uh, again, Portugal, you have a perfect example of Portugal. Um, it's funny how Portugal, if you break it up, is Port Ugral, Port of the Grit. Oh. Interesting, huh? Um, and actually, I think I have it in here somewhere. Um, yeah, Port Ugral. And actually, their first king was Alfonso Henriquez. Um, and he helped, the Templars helped him uh, obtain independence from Spain. Uh, and he was also brought up and taught in a Templar commandery, ironically. Huh. That was on the show Buried as well. They, I guess they had a, an earthquake or something happen at this particular area that they thought, nah, that has nothing to do with the Templars. A piece of the outer stone broke away, 
I guess it must have been probably some sort of a, a plaster that they put on the wall. Well, it crumbled, broke away, and sure as shit, on the wall above the door was a Templar cross. And huh. they had no idea, but it was a Templar cross. I see, that was pretty interesting. So now we're going to get into where they could have went. Where were they going? That many people don't disappear. That many people don't disappear. Yeah. And again, not all of them were fighting knights. I'm sure fighting knights got away. I'm sure, again... Think of Freemasonry. You have a worshipful master in every lodge mm -hmm. in the state of Connecticut. Use Connecticut alone. Let's say they're rounding up all of the... What do I smell that's... It's sweet. Nope, it's his. Mm -mm. No, it's that. Oh, okay. <laughs> I knew I smelled like... What is that, your vape? Yeah. <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> I'm like, what the hell am I smelling? Food? Like, oh, but, uh, yeah, it's got to be that. Though. It smells like a cinnamon bun. It's crazy. Uh, anyway, back on track. Sorry, I digress. Uh, <laughs> what the hell was I talking about? Uh, where'd they go? Where'd they go? All right. So they, that many people don't disappear. That many people don't disappear. Um, they they had to have gone somewhere. Again, you have in the state of Connecticut, let's just use yeah, Connecticut totally alone. Remember, yes. You have a worshipful master in every lodge. Mm -hmm. Let's just say in New Haven County, the... Uh, I don't even want to use the government. Let's say in New Haven. Which has multiple lodges in it. Yes. The mayor decides to round up all of the Masons, the Masons in New Haven. Okay. That news is going to filter out. Even, even back in those times. I mean, granted, now it's going to happen well, now, in the blink instant, of an eye. Instant, instant. New, the news, but let's say he decides to round them up and arrest them all in the New Haven Lodge. Every other lodge has a worshipful master who knows the ritual, who knows how to continue the craft, and knows mm -hmm. how to do these things. So it's... I 100% believe that there was still top Knights Templar that got away. Yeah. That maybe knew of the secrets or maybe knew of the treasure that could have transported it away. I also think it's kind of funny. In, in that example, almost the same example, but 100 years ago. Right. 100 years ago, the must, there's probably the same. Most of our lodges are over 100 years old. You go to those same lodges, and it, like you said, 100 years ago, the mayor decides, I don't like the... The Masons, I'm going to go after them. Of course that's going to spread. Right. So, where could they have went? Well, there's a couple places. Um, there's actually a good movie on Netflix. Uh, I'm going to throw a plug in there. It's called The Outlaw King. And it talks about Robert the Bruce. Okay. Uh, basically what happened was Robert the Bruce came to power in, in Scotland England was trying to annex Scotland and the new William Wallace, everyone seemed brave yeah, of course. Well, Robert the Bruce became the king of Scotland. And uh, he basically beat his rival to death in a church in Scotland. Hmm. And wow. the Pope excommunicated him with the belief that the entire nation of Scotland would rise up against him and take him away. You know, okay, take yeah, him out yeah. of power. That didn't happen. The people of Scotland kind of rallied behind him. So the Pope went and excommunicated the entire country of Scotland. <laughs> so now you have to imagine that the Templars are now being persecuted. Scotland has been excommunicated, so there's no church people there, and there's no way that the Scottish people are going to you know, listen to the church, the Catholic church, because they just got excommunicated. Yeah, yeah. So the Templars could have very well went there, and there's much evidence that we'll get into about that, that they went to Scotland. And there's speculation that they aided Robert the Bruce in 
a, a battle at Bannockburn. Correct. Yeah. I'm going to get into that too. That's an interesting one because I'd love to, to know. I granted, you know, there's so many different conflicting history things, but the things that I read are, you know, there's points, again, all this, we're getting into speculation at this point. Uh, history books, of course, at, you know, and 1314, Templars were ended, and that's the and end that's of the story. It. Book closed. Let's close our history book. But anybody who's of sound mind realizes that there's much more to it than that. It's like George. It's like George. It's like President George Bush got up there on the freaking on uh, got up there on what was that? The, the, um, the I know what you're talking about too. I, um, the aircraft carrier mission yeah. accomplished. We beat them all. Yeah. And what happened five years later? Yeah, exactly. They came back. They were just underground. You know, the insurgents were still there. Gave rise to ISIS. And even you know, our president now says ISIS is defeated. Is it really though? Yeah, give yeah. it three years when they decide to come yeah. back out. Yeah. <laughs> It's one of these. Uh, one of the best things I heard was uh, history is really based on, especially back in those days, the people who won the wars. Right. Because if you look at the losers that went underground or admitted to their faults mm-hmm. and got, like you said, exonerated from mm-hmm. all their faults, you think they don't have their own versions of all those right. wars lost? On top of that, you have to understand that the Catholic Church was the power at the time. They were of the course. governing power. Yeah. So the yeah. last thing they're going to say is, Oh, oh we I don't up. know if we got all the Templars. Yeah. There might be some floating around here. They're going to say, we got them. We oh, destroyed them. Every single one. Because, you know, people are, oh, don't fuck with the Catholic Church. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Don't don't mess with the church. It's you know? God. You right. Can't go against you God. Can't, right. So, they got away. There was many mm-hmm. of them that got away. I do believe that quite a few of them just kind of dissolved. They took off their gear and just dissolved back oh, into sure. regular life. But I also think that, uh, I mean, Again, if there's anybody who's like me, yeah, <laughs> I'm gonna be the hell. I'm gonna be the hellhound, and mm-hmm. there's no flipping way that I'm going to just take this lying down. And I believe that many of the Templars did that. They said, "No, no way, no way, we're gonna take this sitting down." Um, another place it could have went, Portugal. Again, we already talked about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it literally means Port of the Grail, uh, if you translate it. Um, they have. They were set up by the Templars. The city of Tomar itself is a was a Templar stronghold. It was a Templar city, right? What ended up happening was the Grand Master in that area, when when the, the Pope came and said, "You need to to get rid of these Templars. There'll be no the Templars are gone." Disbanded. They they didn't do that. They simply changed their name to the Knights of Christ. They kept the same members. And Grand Masters and all that stuff, and change the Templar cross to the Knight of St. John. Now, you want to see something that's really going to bake your noodle. <coughs> Fast forward to 1492 and look at the Nina, the Pinta, and the Santa Maria, where Columbus came across. Columbus was a Knight of Jesus Christ. Knights in of Port- Christ. Knights of Christ well, in Portugal. It's the iconic, and it's on the sail. I was just going to say, the sail, it's an, another iconic picture. That when was you their see cross. any picture of those three ships, it's the Red Cross on the sail. Another interesting fun fact, and again, we'll get into this later, but another interesting fun fact is that Prince Henry Sinclair, Sinclair, Rosalind Chapel, you heard all about these guys? Mm-hmm. Okay. He was actually a relative, I think it was through marriage, to Christopher Columbus. And there's many stories of Prince Henry Sinclair coming to the New World. Yeah, we'll get into that later. But anyway, back on the soul. <laughs> well, the military order of Christ, um, after the Templars were abolished 1312, 
Uh, the Order of Christ was founded in 1319. 1312, okay. 1319 1319 was founded in Portugal. Seven years after. I think Jacques de Molay was burned at stake in 1314. I think the order was disbanded in 1312. I think that he was burned at the stake in 1314. I think you got that right. And then 1319 is when the Knights of Christ come out. Within 10 years, less than 10 years, all this happened. And again, just because the Pope said in 1312 the order is ended didn't mean that's what the Templars were doing, because not for nothing, they're in a fucking fortress. So, yeah, come at me, bro. Yeah. Like, <laughs> we're up here. Yeah. If, exactly. we're, if, we're, if we're done, yeah, come on. show me. Yeah. But then I think at some point they realized that if we don't change our banner, change our name, we're going we're gonna to be in some serious shit. So. Well, that or, like you said, they were, had allegiance to powerful people in affiliation it's one of these where I'm sure there is some type of affiliation where you have to change your name or you have to go away. Right. We can't be associated with you. Something's got to give. Right. Another fun fact. Um, Switzerland was known for its high mountainous area uh, and made... It, their high mountainous area made standing armies difficult to pass through. I mean, anybody who knows the, the Swiss Alps, they're huge freaking mountains. There was Switzerland had villages, it had towns, so there was people living in the area. They were mountain men, they were mountain people. They were in a fight for their independence with, I believe it's the Hasburgs. Uh, Rocco, you may need to fact check me. Uh, you're looking at a date of 1315, was the final defeat. And part of the funny thing about this is, is that there's actually stories that these mountain men, again, you have to understand that they're peasants, they don't know how to fight. Mm-hmm. Um, the Halberg axe, you've seen that? Yes. It's yes, got a hook yes. on one end and it's yeah, got an axe I on the other end? Halberg. Yeah, yeah. That was actually um, used during the fighting because when I believe, I want to say it was Leopold, but I could be wrong. Again, you're here to fact check me if yes. I'm wrong. Yeah, I'm looking this up now, but it, it, it gets deep. Um, yes, it gets very deep. I'm trying to just, uh, listen, I'm, I'm like edges. a rock yeah. skipping the yeah, surface yeah, here. Yeah, exactly. the battle, battle of Morgarten. Morgarten, yep. Yeah, that's that's uh, it, it, and it um, basically the Swiss Confederacy ambushed mm-hmm. a group of Habsburg soldiers mm-hmm. on the shores um, near the Morgarten Pass. Right. This and it's interesting because Duke Leopold the first. Leopold, yeah. I was correct. Under the yes. command of Duke Leopold the first. The the Swiss were under the command of Leopold. The Swiss, yeah. Uh, or is I think no. Ha- I, no, the Hasburg troops. The Hasburg troops were under Leopold. Now, they're passing through this pass. Now, you have to understand, these are peasants, farmers. They're not standing soldiers. They don't really know how to fight. And one of the weapons that they used was the Halberg axe. axe. It had a hook on the end. And listen to this cool, cool little weapon. The hook was for reaching up and hooking knights off of their horses. And the axe was for ending the deal. Mm-hmm. But the long, and that's how they ended up defeating him, is what they did was they hooked him off the horse, yanked him to the ground, and then boop. Good strategy. Yeah. yeah. Unique strategy, if right. you will, for now, their landscape. Right. So, I mean, there is evidence that there was some sort of power, some sort of a military mind teaching them this stuff. Mm-hmm. So it's speculated that, I mean, the Champagne region isn't really far from Switzerland. The Champagne region is where the Templars' main area in France was. So the speculation is that if they fled, they fled to that area. They fled to one of three places, which would be Switzerland, 
Scotland, Scotland and, and Portugal. Portugal. Or, or realistically, it could be all three. It could be all yes. three. Yeah, well, they especially could. with as spread out as they were already. <coughs> so that's pretty much what I have for you know their, their lore and getting away and everything. Actually, that, and he just, uh, all three shores. You said that that whole fleet, the fleet disappeared. So we all know, well, not we all don't know, but the, the skull and bones, the skull and crossbones, mm-hmm. Is a or was even to the the ancient Templars that was a Templar symbol, and it is funny that you know, you know, decades later, maybe even a century later, pirates were known to fly the Jolly Roger, and it's there's actually there again talking on History Channel there was a show called the Knights Templar and their pirate treasure, Hmm. where they found. what the hell was it? I think it was an ivory, it was an ivory effigy of Jesus. Okay. So it was quite interesting. And they also they found another one that was similar to it in the Middle East that's still on display in the Middle East. I think it's even in Jerusalem or Tel Aviv. But so my point is, is that there they went multiple directions. Um, so that's what uh, I mean. Do you want to talk about uh, while we're on it? We'll just talk quickly about um, Scotland. And uh, the Battle of Bonnockburn. It was in June 1314, ironically, uh, the same year that Jacques de Molay was killed. Um, the English, despite having, uh, excuse me, uh, they won the Battle of Bonnockburn against the English despite having no disciplined army and being outnumbered, I think it was three to one. So the Scots were outnumbered. Huge. Now, mind you, there was a battle before that that the Scots ended up using the land to kind of uh, manipulate the battle, and they won on their own. But this particular battle, it talks about how the tide was turned because the Scottish front lines were collapsing, and they were on the verge of collapse, and there was a cavalry charge of quote-unquote white knights oh. that descended on a nearby hill, crashed into the English line, and sent the English scattering. Hmm. <laughs> So that's it's quite another, interesting. Yeah, speculation. Where I mean, again, this is all speculation. This is all. Uh, it's, it's it's these coincidental, are all just, uh, in a, a, in a weird way of the time frame. Like you keep saying, the time frame is it's all right there in that so time. So many masons that, right. like you said, Bing Bang Boom, they disappeared, mm-hmm. and then you have all these random battles of inexperienced. Uh, I don't know. I, would, I don't want to say soldiers, but inexperienced battles where one side should have lost, and then it just so happens that they <laughs> used to support right. the Templars, and the again in this example, White Knights came and right. saved the day. And on top of that, they were a cavalry unit. Oh, the Templars were known for their cavalry charge. They were considered the battering ram. Same thing. That iconic picture: them on a horse. Yeah, they were the considered the battering ram, and they would hit. They Boom! Lines. They broke. They, they, that was their whole goal in, in actually in the Battle of Montgisard in eleven seventy eight. Um, that is pretty much how Baldwin defeated Saladin the very first time. What happened was Saladin had this huge, vast army, and he basically thought he was untouchable. They mm-hmm. can't get to me. I have a giant army. I have a hundred thousand man army. You know the. the the Crusaders got, what, 30,000? And what he allowed his troops to do was to, to disperse right. and forage the land and rape and pillage, and that was the sport of the day. 
what he made the mistake of was he left his rear his uh, his rear guard defenses. Yeah. Oh, you know, yeah. With him, and he let his army disperse. Well, the Templars went right around him, and they smashed his uh, his rear guard and destroyed it. Sent them scattered. And Saladin actually had to flee and get the fuck out of Dodge because they were in hot pursuit of his ass. And he had went all the way back to Egypt, and pretty much the army dissolved. But he, the Templars, were the ones who who smashed the army. They they smashed his rear guard, and that was it. And they sent them packing the first time. They, there's many battles where they've done that. Where they basically came in and just the strategy. And they were so, they were. Uh, let's see. Saladin was so afraid of them that he would not let them. You know, back in the day, if you captured prisoners, mm-hmm. you didn't kill them. Okay. You ransomed them. That was. That oh, ransomed them back. They ransomed yes. them back. That was that was pretty much the honorable thing to do, and that's how the, that was what they did well, it's the, after uh, battles. The respect of I captured a general uh, for modern day terms, a general or something. I'm going to here. I have your general. I want this, or you. Could, I could even see it being a trade. I want right. the prisoners you have. <coughs> but the Templars were the only military order. Mm-hmm. Of the Christians, that Saladin, the minute they were captured, beheaded him. He would behead him because he was that afraid of them. Wow. They were they were quite a powerful force. So I mean, here we go. We fast forward to the Battle of Bonnetburn, and here I am, an English soldier. And again, most of the English soldiers were peasants. They weren't farmers. They they were not a standing army. They all had wives. They all had farms. They all had blacksmiths and whatever leather tanners, whatever they were. Your blue-collar worker. They were your blue-collar worker. They would go when the king called them, fight, and if they survived, they came home. Yeah. So now you have, you know, you're sitting there fighting. You think you're winning. You think you're winning. You look to your left, and here comes a cavalry unit. And I don't know if you've ever seen a cavalry charge. A good, a very good, I mean, granted, it's it's a, it's a... Game of Thrones. Game of Thrones. The Battle of the Bastards. When you see the cavalry come, (laughs) and they, I mean, that's exactly. Intimidating. Intimidating. But it's also that many horses. Impressive. Oh, they're running right over. You're gonna, you're gonna hear the ground's gonna shake. Yeah. So the, the, you know, the infantry on the other side is gonna be like, damn, these guys are, you know. Yeah, I'm done. I can imagine. I'm done. <laughs> in that in that show though, uh, in that in that particular scene, the, the no, I, Game I, of Thrones, yes. the Battle of the Bastards, yes. when the White Knights of the Vale came down do. and yes. they hit those lines, and you just seen ass blood and guts this, flying yeah. in every direction. That's exactly what a cavalry charge would look like. Now imagine that slamming into a side of an English unit. Yeah. Uh, basically, you're gonna you're, not only a you're gonna kill a bunch of people, but it was more of the fear factor. Uh-huh. You would cause panic. Mm-hmm. You know. If you aren't getting hit right away, you're run. Yeah, you see, you're here. Yeah, you, you look over you to your left and you feel, see shit going yeah. sideways. Like, you're going to go, holy, I'm getting the fuck out of here. Mm-hmm. And it caused panic, and that's why they ran. And it ended up saving the day. Now, it is not written down on paper. There's no documents of it. But, come on. The English had the strongest cavalry. As a matter of fact, in the battle prior to this, I looked that up. I think it's called... Lawton, uh, Lawton Hill. It was the Battle of Lawton Hill, I think. London Hill? I think it was London Hill. The Scots had no cavalry. Mm-hmm. They actually uh, they actually set their army up in a swamp so that when the, the English charged, 
They got stuck in the yes. mud. Yeah. And now it basically rendered their cavalry ineffective. Yeah. Yeah. But the Scots had no cavalry. So now how is it in the Battle of Bonnetburn a couple years later? Cavalry. No, they had the uh, right. Well, no. How come the, when the English had a strong cavalry against the and the Scots, army of peasants, as you said. Right. But how did the the Scots? And I don't know. You'll have to look it up, Rocco. Yeah, this was uh, it was the Battle of Loudon Loudon yep. Hill, seven thirteen oh seven. Thirteen oh seven. Yep. Between a Scot force uh, led by Robert the Bruce mm-hmm. and the English commander of uh, Aymer de Valence. Um. Victory for Bruce. Right. And now, okay, okay, so that was 1307? Yeah, same year. Okay, 1307, same year the Templars kind of disappear. But, Mm -hmm. I mean, I don't don't think there's any connection there. I think he won that battle outright with no Templar help. Yes. Okay. Um, But now you fast forward seven more years, and yes, I'm sure, um, I'm sure Robert the Bruce could have raised his own cavalry unit. But again, if they didn't have cavalry at that battle, who trained his new cavalry unit? Exactly. Who trained them how to do that? Yeah. The best cavalrymen of the day Word. were the Templars, and if they weren't arrested in Scotland, because they weren't, they were the yes, 1307 yes. arrests only occurred in France, and it really didn't get off the ground. I want to say it was 1311, 13. I think it was like 1311, 1312 is when England started kind of pushing, pushing hey, to get rid of the you Templars. Need to do this. But Scotland wasn't. So now you had I think it was 11 commanderies in Scotland, 11 or six commanderies in Scotland alone. They were probably the ones teaching, if not part of the cavalry that won at Bonnetburn. So it's quite interesting. What are we at? 53 minutes? All right. So I think we're going to wrap this. I think we're going to wrap this up for now uh, because the next thing I want to get into is definitely Scotland. And that's going to tie into the connection of Freemasonry with. Um, that's going to tie into the connection of Freemasonry with the Order of the Temple. So I think we'll, uh, we'll end okay. that here. But there's a couple things that uh, a couple people reached out to me. Let me find my phone quick. Uh, you got a question? Well, number one, I want to start doing a segment. And I want to call it our Lodge Ghost segment. Yeah, you know, I want to tell stories about this. <laughs> and here's why. Uh, there was a story that I had missed. That happened in here when I did the last podcast, and it was I forgot all about it. In between Ryan getting touched and um, James actually seeing the ghost, mm-hmm. he came up here, and one of the things he did was he took a big sheet of paper, like a plans paper. And he took tape and oh, he taped. Oh, I remember it. this. Yeah, <laughs> yes. He taped yes, it to the yes, wall yes. and he had his square and he was drawing the walls and and he had a big piece it of was paper. Plans. It was plans. A, a makeshift uh, blueprint. Like a makeshift blueprint. Uh, and he taped it with thick yes. masking tape yes. on the wall. It was shipping tape. Yeah, shipping yeah, tape. Yes, yes right. it was. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so it was on the wall, and I I don't I, I wasn't even up here when he did it, but I came up a couple days later. And I walk up into there, and it's on the floor. And I said, uh, I, I picked it up, and I think I was with Rafferty. And I picked it up, I said, what the hell is this? And I picked it up, and I'm like, oh, wow, it's a layout of the walls. And I called McGuire, and I said, uh, hey, uh, did you do this? And he's like, oh, yeah. He's like, uh, what do you think? I have it on the wall. I said, no, it's on the ground. 
when I took it and I stuck it back up on the wall. Now, you have to, you have to, this isn't just like the corners were taped. This was taped all the way around, all four sides. Yes, yeah. It, no, it, I, it even had middle pieces. It was the four corners and then the top and bottom. No, no, it was all the way around. It was. It was a all board. All the way around. Yes. Yeah, okay. And it looked as if somebody got a nail underneath it, ripped this thing off the wall, and just kind of threw it in the ground. And I thought that was quite interesting. Yeah. Uh, again, could it have fallen on its own? Uh, maybe. Likely. And here's why. Because when I stuck it back up on the wall... It didn't fall off, and it was it was there for quite a while. It was quite. I it remember seeing up, it up. And it then, stayed up there yeah. for about two, three weeks after that. And I know you didn't put new tape. It was the same tape that was originally on it. Right. So that was that was one thing I want to talk about the ghost. Oh, the other thing, the ghost thing. So me and brother Henry did the ghost thing. Right. We were yes. talking about the ghost and everything. Yeah. yeah, we were kind of talking about it again. The lights did their little silly shit that the lights did. You know, we opened up the doors. And then, you know, Henry's out in the hallway, and he's wrapping up his extension cord. And I'm standing kind of with the main door open, Mm -hmm. and kind of in between this hallway and that hallway with the main door open. And I could have swore I heard what sounded like a wooden gavel on a stone knock. But not from our space. From the other side from of the, the building, where the lodge room, dentist. Yeah, but the, that's where the lodge room was, used yes, to be. Because yes. remember, me and you we, did the whole, yes, yeah, we did the whole door the of the explorer yeah, up in the yeah, attic. Yeah, that was fun. <laughs> Covered in insulation, black all over. Yeah, that was fun. That was. A, it was interesting though. That was it interesting. Was actually really cool scene. Probably me. not the best move with a bottle of McAllen split between all of us. Yeah, but, but, <laughs> I mean, nobody. But did you die? Yeah. <laughs> That seeing the remnants of the original lodge, the actual layout, even if it was just the ceiling of it, <coughs> you could almost see the layout, especially being in the new lodge, seeing how it laid out, the size of it, the the ceilings, the nineteen you know turn of the century HVAC type of system where it was all wooden, you know, uh, ventilated. Wooden vents and everything. Well, well, I have the history correct of this building. I don't know if George talked about it. Um, this building was actually built around the furnace, around the steam boiler, oh, okay. which really? powered the lights of Seymour, the town of Seymour. So at that time, you know, the they built this building. They had the heat source, but it was also a power source, and they used that that steam power to power lights. Really, yep. that's interesting. Yeah. Apparently that, that boiler still down in the basement. I believe uh, that. <laughs> so the last thing I want to touch on is I got a uh, message from uh, Brother Mark House out in uh, Indiana. And he says, I have a question for you guys. I'm a master mason in Indiana, and there are a lot of old masons that just throw all these duties on me, knowing I can't do all the stuff. What would you do? And I kind of went back and forth with him and I talked about it. But, and I, you know, he basically was telling me that he's not only the junior deacon, he's uh, the trustee, he's on the food committee, he's got kids. So it's a lot of obligations. And from what basically he was saying is that his lodge is a lot of older past masters that kind of revolve around the top chairs. And he pretty much asked me what I would do. And, uh, it's a tough it's a tough it's thing hard. and again i was in this position once myself 
with this lodge. Heard of it. Where I, yeah. you know, uh, luckily, you know, the older past masters allowed me to, to, to move up and they voted me to become the master of this lodge. And again, I also kept my secret, I kept my, my plans on the down low. And I, this is really shitty to even have to consider this in Freemasonry. Again, we're all brothers. We should all pretty much be working for the better of the craft. Uh, or, or a lodge, even. Unfortunately, building a lodge. In some of these lodges where there's a huge age divide, you get this good old boy system against the young guys want to come in and do things. Mm-hmm. And the good old boy system does not want to give up the keys to the castle. And this is why I believe that many lodges across the country, uh, state by state basis, whatever, are starting to they're starting to fall apart. They're losing their members because the old the old guard, in a sense, is dying off. And I don't mean to sound crude about it, but they're they're and I don't mean dying off in the literal sense. I mean they don't come anymore because they can't make stairs. They don't attend anymore because they can't drive at night. Um, you know. Or, or they Whatever. do pass away. Whatever the yeah. case may be, they just... But now you have these young guys who are, are gung-ho, fired up and everything. And, I, and again, we talked about this in the past master one. The older past masters, by inhibiting the young guys, are sucking the lifeblood out of that mason. To the point where he's like, fuck this, I'm not going anymore. It's not worth my aggravation and time to sit there and be pissed off the entire meeting. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I kind of spoke to the brother uh, about this and that and the things that I would do. But basically, the, the only thing I can really tell you uh, for any other brothers that are listening to this podcast and going through a similar thing in their lodge, just hang on. Um, eventually, it'll be your time. The other thing I'll say is, uh, as, as a master, uh, get new members. Get new members. Because our lodge did a huge... When I joined, we were, I want to say, a 50-50 split of... Older members and uh, our age, which again mid to younger thirties, of young, which I consider younger uh, members, and the more strength you have in a younger generation, not for nothing. Eventually, it has to make a change because of and again, as George said, I'm not disrespecting the older generation or anything like that, but eventually they have to step down. And if you can build a great younger lodge, which is what we have right now, we are doing amazing things. And that's the only thing I can say to, as far as sticking it out, try your hardest to recruit new members. Try your hardest to just build your lodge with, even if it is older members, just build your lodge. Because eventually the times have to change. And, you know, to that note, you know, I get the brother had also said that the problem is when they try to bring in petitions and they vote on them, the older brothers blackball. And if that's the case, wow. that's real. That's, Part of my French, I mean, that's real fucking shitty. That is because shitty. you're basically you're you're basically driving your own lodge into the ground. Yeah. The only time a Mason should ever be blackballed is if there's seriously something batshit crazy in his head. Um, and I'm not going to lie. <laughs> <laughs> Let me explain. A couple weeks ago, uh, and that was a couple weeks ago. How long was it ago? Remember the guy we got to the EMR, Rocco? We got. I, was, I think I was telling you the story. Yeah. He came to the EMR, yeah. and this guy came and he, he he wanted to sit down. He wanted to be a mason. Came to the EMR. I met with him. My what I do initially, and this is the way I set it up. And again, 
I'm putting this out there for information. If you guys do the same thing or brothers do something differently, whatever, I'm a lodge secretary. So when I get an EMR, which is an electronic membership request that comes from the Grand Lodge and or any petition, the very first thing, unless it's coming from one of you guys, because I mean, I guess I have to trust you or something, right? <laughs> <laughs> It'd be nice if you did. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but anybody who doesn't, who wants Isn't to join Freemasonry that doesn't know a Mason in this yes. lodge comes to me. The first thing I do is I send them an email and I say, hey, uh, I'm from Morningstar Lodge here in Seymour. I heard you're interested in joining Freemasonry. This is my email. If you're interested, give me a shout back through email. Okay, That's, that's test number one. Because if you don't get back to me in email, I'm not pursuing you. Again, yes. we don't recruit. Yes. You the reply. door is shown to you. Mm-hmm. It's your choice to walk through it. And I'm kind of getting off the subject, but uh, I, I want to bear, bear, bear with me. There's a, there's a moral behind all this. My second thing I do is, when he emails me back, I say, hey, this is my cell phone. Give me a call. I'm not calling you. I wait for you to call me. I'm, I'm, I'm throwing the taste out there. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Again, how do you catch a fish? Do you just throw it out there and yank the cash back? No, you bait them. So when they call me, say, hey, let's get together and let's meet for a coffee. We now we meet for a coffee or whatever the case may be. In this particular case, this guy came downstairs and rather than, hey, I'm interested in masonry, I want to know what this is all about. He's telling me, well, I know this and I know that and I can't wait to get up there and teach you guys. And right there, you've put me on high alert. You know, you don't come to masonry to teach the masons. You come here because you're looking for something or you want to learn Learn. something. Yes. And any mason will tell you there is a lifetime of learning. Correct. Yes. So, you know, you, you can't come up here and say, I'm going to teach you guys because there's about, we, we've got 30 active members. There's 25 different opinions in there and there's 25 different, right. yeah. you know, yeah. and it's more of, thoughts. if you do know something, that's great. Don't say I'm coming to teach you. Say, I want to join this lodge so I can trade ideas with you. Yes. I want to hear what your opinion is. I want, uh, and I'm going to tell you what I think. And let's talk like we're doing right here at this, this is the whole purpose of the podcast is to just throw around shit. You know, I'm not 100% right. I never claim to be 100% right. I'm sure I'm dumb as fuck on many things. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe I'm smart on some things. Maybe I'm teaching somebody something. And again, how many times have you corrected me, Rocco? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, you know, you're the you're the masonry expert for now. <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. We're here. And you, you know And, you know, I need a fact check because I know I'm not yeah. right all the time, too. No. You know? But anyway, this particular brother sat down in, with me and he was, I'm just like, yeah, no. There's no way you're going to fit here. And, you know, if he comes back with a petition, which he never did, because, again, I hand you the blue form, now it's your job to get that blue form back to me. And fill it out and get it back. And then we move on from there, the process. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, that that guy, uh, I'm a little... I'm a little I'm a little weird about. And that, that would be a case in where I would probably blackball him because I don't like the way you presented yourself. But that's... A whole Masons are humble in that's character. That's a whole different issue because when, again, when it comes down to it, that was someone outside of the group, and this is why I say I know I'm no I'm not I'm not trying to say recruit, but right. new members. And there's nothing and wrong with recruiting. Bringing, and this is where when it comes down to it, if you are a Mason, everyone always asks. Everyone asks. All you can do is promote it, and again, when it comes down to it, that's a, a weird scenario because whenever we bring in a new Mason. Especially if they have a recommendation from one of us, mm. it's almost guaranteed you're getting in. Right. 
it, it, you know, the whole thing of to, to be one, ask one thing, I think that's ass backwards. It should be ask one to be one. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Well, there's this whole, there's this whole thing. Um, you know, you're not going to get, and, and you don't see it very often. You know, there's some exceptional 19 Did I say that right? Olds. You said to be to, one, to ask be one, ask one. It should be ask one to be one. So am I right? It's the same. Ask, ask one I heard the grand the grandmaster said it the other day, and I'm like, it's, wow, that's pretty cool. Like, I think I'm saying it backwards. Though. You might you might be misquoting him then. I might be misquoting him because yeah, I sound. I, th- yeah. I, I, I don't know what he said. So Speak of times where I think I'm sounding pretty fucking stupid. I think I was probably one I, of them. I actually stopped myself. I'm like. That didn't I, make any sense. I wasn't going to, I was going to let it go. I'm not going to lie. I was gonna Don't say, let it you, go. That's the you, purpose of this podcast. You said the same thing. You just said it backwards. It, Basically but, the point that the Grandmaster was driving at is to don't wait for them to come to you. You go to them. It's how I became a mixer. Right. Ryan. And, and, and basically for my. There's nothing wrong with that. There isn't. It's nothing wrong with being proud of being a Mason and talking about it. Well, and also the thing is, I know we're getting off on a little bit of tangent, I but I, I just. You know, on top of that is, you can ask somebody to be one, right? Mm-hmm. But you can't like push them in the door and make them go. That, that's what certain, the whole. This is where I was is. going. You need a certain level of confidence, right, to walk into a massage lounge <clears throat> and go shake someone's hand. And it's just a certain. It, it's a baseline. It's, it's our uncomfortable baseline. level. It's yeah. our baseline. Right. Yeah. And um, you know, an eighteen-year-old just out of school, or just, like, in school, mm-hmm. is not going to have that confidence, usually. And normally, our, our average members, what, like, 30, uh, I'll say 25, the, the 30? youngest, our youngest member active. Got to be Seth, right? It's And he's, I think, 26, 26, yeah. <laughs> so he's We're talking about his actual age, not how he acts. <laughs> I hope he listens to this. <laughs> but no, it, it, and I think he is. He's our youngest active member. But there's a level of responsibility. He owns his own business. You know, yeah, he's, he, there's a yeah. level of responsibility. You know what's funny, too, though? I always thought about this. Just having a podcast of, of us just talking shit about our other members. <laughs> just to see if yeah, I can get that listen. phone call here. <laughs> hey, asshole, I heard what you said. <laughs> <laughs> I hope. I hope. Oh, my God. That would be be awesome. Um, Anyway, let me wrangle this back in. So with this brother, Mark, who's having an issue with the past masters of his lodge or or Bachmar, whatever the case may be, they're inhibiting and they're hurting their own lodge. The only thing I could tell him, and this is for any brother in a similar circumstance. Again, I was there. So this is very near and dear to my heart that I caught living fucking hell. Like, I got living hell from the past masters about the shit that I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. Part of the thing I did was I kept I kept my plans when I became master a secret. Right up until I become the master and right up until you know I kind of held uh, uh I held a bunch of masons that were of like mind. I don't want to say younger because that just sounds screwed up. It but does. masons yeah. of like mind. I sat them down at a table, the ones that I that I was with and the ones that came in after me. Because, again, I went on a huge, I guess, quote-unquote, recruiting drive, bringing young members in. Mm-hmm. Luckily, none of them got blackballed. Unfortunately, if they get blackballed, your only other option is to bring them over from an, an affiliate lodge. But then again, you still no, got to vote on or something Six like months in the Six. state of Connecticut. Every state's different. Oh, okay. I didn't um, know that. Yeah, every state has their own rules okay. and regs. But, you know, eventually what's going to happen is, uh, and it may take years, unfortunately. Um, yeah, for that brother, I'm sorry, but it, 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 it may, may take, years. take years. You have two options. Either you sit down all those past masters and you flat out tell them, listen, I'm going to demit 
I'm going to leave this lodge and go join somebody else mm-hmm. if... Yeah, and maybe... Uh, Don't... It, it can't be an ultimatum type of thing, though. Not an it's, ultimatum. I'm just saying, but you'll tell them your frustrations. Come yes, out and be open yes, with this it. this I absolutely agree with. And yeah. then just say, listen, if something doesn't change, change yeah. I'm getting out of uh, here. Yeah. I'm going to find yeah. a lodge that's going to be more suitable to my needs and, and more suitable to open up things. And in that same sense... Don't be afraid to do that either. Right. I mean, I don't know uh, the lodge situations there. I don't know if you have to travel or whatever to get out of your lodge. I don't want to tell you to leave your lodge if there's no other options to leave, to go to another lodge. But the best the best option is just to be open with your brothers. Even if they're past masters, older brothers, whatever the case may be. Um, Just tell them, A, I want to move up. I'm I'm not going to just sit in the lower chairs. If, if this is where I'm going to be confined to, because I guess the uh, the past masters were saying to him, "Oh, you're not ready to move up yet. You've only been a mason for three years." That's funny because, and I'm again, I went as my first year as a master mason, I was the junior deacon. My second year, I was the junior warden. My third year, I was the worshipful master, and I didn't have any past masters teach me how to do it. I sat there with the rules and regs book and the ritual book, and I learned that shit myself. The ritual book, I talked to myself in the mirror. That's how I learned it. And nobody sat there and teach me the the you know the, the steward of, lectures or anything like that. Not for nothing. Both Rocco and I, we were the stewards. We came in at the same year. Came in. And I, I happened to get my master before Rocco. I was a senior steward, and Rocco was a junior as soon as he... Right. Just Got walked in. right into a chair. And again, yeah. that was... You know, this was also this a was awesome. big transition for our lodge, yes. This is not a regular thing. Mm-hmm. Or, I mean, I it mean, doesn't... Isn't always, I'll say. And again, I'm not tooting my own horn. I'm not saying this whole lodge was my creation or anything like that. I'm not no. saying I'm the freaking... Well, we still have... A, a, one of our very active members is about to get his 15 year. Yeah, and no he's one, here no. almost every week. Right, right. Or oh, not every week, sorry. Every meeting. I'm talking about in the transition of how our lodge has changed from almost a dead lodge to... I'm not saying... I'm not putting myself on a pedestal, pedestal saying that this was all because of me. That's not the case. But I do often wonder, because there were many other Masons, especially the ones that came in after me, that, that were absolutely instrumental in the movement that has occurred to what we are now. So, so but I, I think we brought this up on maybe a previous podcast but it maybe we didn't our lodge has been saved more than once yes yes by individual yes. masons right yes i well, i include george is one of those and i agree but, but see it, i don't going again. back to no going back to what you said you said flat out when you became a master it wasn't you it was you got together with like-minded masons, and you and had, were, well, you had the privilege of granted having there were masons a, I brought in, like but Phil. Still, <laughs> but, you had the privilege of having enough of them right. to make a difference. And but see, with all that bullshit aside, I often wonder what would have happened had I not stuck to my guns and when pushed I, and pushed as hard as I did. Who had knows? I let we may be closed. We, we may be gone. We'd be, we'd be part of uh, King Hiram Twelve and Shelter. There's 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 quite a few, few lodges that I mean we've spoken on that. So with that being started. said, uh, for the brother who I spoke to, brother Mark, as well as any brothers listening to this podcast, if you're in like circumstances, hang with it. Yes. Um, hang with it. When you get to that big chair, I strongly urge you to do programs. And again, 
that's what this whole podcast right here is about. This is kind of like our program, mm -hmm. you know, even for ourselves and for anybody else. You know, the topics we talk about, you're more than welcome to bring up in your own lodge. Do something. Again, we talked about it when we were doing the different characteristics of why people join Freemasonry. Yeah. Do programs. Do that stuff. Uh, this particular brother didn't even know what a, a table lodge was. And, and I'd like feed people. That's that's, and feed <laughs> that's people. my thing. Right? <laughs> Keep coming back. Well, yeah, this particular yeah. brother didn't know what the table lodge was because he talked to one of the past masters of his lodge, and they said, "We don't do that in Indiana. We're kind of laid back." A table lodge is the, the most, most laid back thing you can do. We had to pick Claverino off the ground because he was doing an experiment <laughs> with alcohol and gravity. Oh my so, god. <laughs> but, <laughs> that's right. Wow, I like the way you put that. The, I like the, the best way thing is that. that's exactly how I wrote it in the minutes for that night too. <laughs> did you really? <laughs> yes, I did. I'll have to read them on I'll have to I read them on air one day. What do you think? Um, we wrap this one up? Yes, yeah. Unless then, you have any more questions or anything? I don't have anything else. No, the only I thing I want to say is this. Uh, I want to thank everybody who listens to the podcast. Uh, please rate, review us on Apple Podcasts. Uh, again, there's also a link on uh, Anchor, the Anchor app, uh, that you know any type of uh, contribution or donation that you can give us that would help us improve, again, sound quality, um, any type of topics you want to hear or anything like that, uh, any donation would be huge. So if you can do that, that would be fantastic. Um, uh, the other thing I would say is the, the Facebook page, the Instagram, any questions, any questions you have, obviously we're trying as hard as we can to get all of our your answers out. Please ask questions. Ask any questions that you want. And if you have a topic you want to be heard or you've you got a question about, yo, fire a message. Yeah, we'll um, make a... Podcast on the podcast it. page, you could also, which is, um, it's the Freemasons Podcast Facebook page. And again, you can even hit us up through our uh, lodge website. And if you are curious about any programs or anything that we do as a lodge and all the shit show shenanigans that we do, <laughs> um, you can go to the Morningstar Lodge number 47 Facebook page, and we are there as well. And you'll see all of our ugly mugs floating around. Yeah, yeah. I think oh, there's, there's, not, there's some pictures from Penguin Plunge. Oh, uh, <laughs> yes. I, I got to mention, so there's some parade pictures in there. We got some yeah, good stuff. Yeah. We do. A lot of good stuff. The Penguin Plunge pictures might make people sick, though, especially yeah. with... Uh, not much to look Worship, at, worship <laughs> brother Phil Miller, man. <laughs> nah, I'm going to leave it at that. You want to you see it? It's there. there but it you've been warned, so... Well, you could see it live if you... <laughs> right. Yeah. Oh, that's right. I think we're going to Facebook Live it, right? I, I would really, like to Facebook. I wouldn't mind that for the Penguin Pledge. I think we're gonna have a huge turnout this year too. Yeah, I think we're. I want to Facebook Live it because I haven't been yet, and I know our worshipful Master Ryan was talking about the same thing. He said oh, he hasn't, been. hasn't been, and is you know what adamant about being worshipful, going to all the events uh, this year. I was so. at that Penguin Pledge with me, Steve, and Phil one year. And it went south real quick. <laughs> <laughs> I was I was watching Hawks. Were you know? the one? Were you the one that showed up with the bag full of nippers? The last one. Yeah, it was the backpack uh, full of nippers. Yeah. He's like, you're gonna need a couple of these, right? So now I'm trying to acclimate to the weather. Now, mind you, it was like what 47 degrees out. <laughs> Holy it hell, it was cold, right? And when you hit that water. I've never had my body. You just gotta go in. No, I've never had my body disagree with me. My <laughs> knees, my legs locked up, and I just fell 
forward into the water. Uh, my entire, like, I went stiff as a board. Like, nothing. Uh, my well, muscles stopped. That's what your body. So, uh, I run, run in every year, I would just stop waist, waist deep. Now, the first year, I think, I'm going in, I stopped. My body just stopped itself. Yeah. It's like, it, self-preservation, you're going to stop. And... Luckily, Phil's behind me. What's so that water? Just, you know, <laughs> yeah, a little help. Well, that that water was like, what, 37 degrees yeah. or something like that? Yeah. Or, it might have even been colder than oh, that. They, 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 when they it like hits you, I swear to God. Services. So you get to watch the emergency services get ready to go in the water before you get in. <laughs> yes. But they're suited up. <laughs> I want you to go home, Dan. I want you to go right into the freezer. I want you to grab the ice box. <laughs> yeah, no, just no, grab no, a handful of ice. Put it on your balls and on your nipples. That's all you gotta do. And that's exactly what it feels like when you hit that water. You're never gonna be the See, same again. See, giving me second chances or second guesses. Like, I don't know if I'm gonna show up this year. All right. No, I'll be there. Uh, all right. So uh, with that being said, I think we're gonna wrap this up. Uh, again, uh, like the Freemason podcast, Morningstar Lodge, number forty-seven Facebook pages, Instagram. Uh, we're also uh, uh, the, the Freemasons podcast on Instagram. Morningstar Lodge on fa- on uh, Instagram as well. Like us, um, subscribe to us through Apple. Rate us, review us. We're on Spotify. We're on every podcast you could possibly imagine. I'm looking forward to hearing your questions. With that being said, I am Brother George. I'm Brother Daniel. Brother Rocco. Signing off. <laughs>